this is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez, where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Hi, welcome to today's podcast. We're having a new guest and today's our latest episode on contemplation. And we're welcoming Connie Rossini. I hope I got that right. Yes. And, uh, she's going to be talking to us about uh, contemplation. So, uh, Connie, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Well, thank you, Pamela. Um, I currently live in Omaha, Nebraska, um, but my husband and I are both from the Twin Cities, and we have four boys whom I homeschool. In the end of 2012, I began to blog, and I called my blog Contemplative Homeschool because I um, spent about 17 years as a member of the secular order of discalced Carmelites, Mm -hmm. and the Carmelite order is really focused on um, personal prayer, what Mm -hmm. uh, traditionally Catholics would call mental prayer. So I really wanted to um, order my home life and my home school in such a way that my kids would be able to be people of deep prayer. So um, one thing led to another. I have ended up writing uh, five books on different aspects of Catholic spirituality um, I also co-wrote the Contemplative Rosary with Dan Burke, and these days I mostly hang out on Facebook. I have a, a Facebook group called Authentic Contemplative Prayer that has close to 12,000 members now, where we talk about different aspects of prayer all day. Last week we had a guest, and he said the whole idea, the whole uh, what uh, contemplation means is basically the the many ways of looking at God. And it kind of uh, made me think because, you know, everyone has a different definition of what this is. What, according to you, is contemplative prayer? That's a really good question. And I like the way that you put it because you're right, that there are many, many different definitions of contemplation. So the question for me is, whose definition is most definitive? And there are actually a couple of saints who were named doctors of the church because of their teaching on contemplation in particular. And those are Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross. Mm -hmm. So when I um, define contemplation, I look at what they said because the churches, when the church designated them as doctors of the church, that means that in every time and place, their teaching about prayer is reliable. Mm-hmm. And Teresa and John used a very specific definition. Well, they didn't put it into a definition form, but when they talked about contemplation, they were talking about a very specific type of prayer. Mm -hmm. And contemplation for them is what um, is sometimes called infused contemplation. And that means just like the graces that we receive at baptism, contemplation is something that is poured into the soul by God. 
So it's not something we can sit down and practice. Um, it's not something that we do so much as a prayer that God gives us when he sees that we've prepared ourselves for it. And in this prayer of contemplation, God is taking a person who has done their best to draw close to himself, and he's saying, now I am going to take over, and I'm going to draw you even closer. And so it's a prayer that doesn't depend on our efforts. Mm. It, it's given as a free gift, and it's beyond what we can ponder, what we can put into words. Sometimes it's even beyond what we can sense, like in our emotions. Um, we just have to trust that God is working, even when at times in contemplation, we may not be able to sense his presence. And how is this different from meditation? Now, because you, keep, you, you mentioned, okay, you sit down, you prepare. And you wait for God. And, and it's kind of like grace. It's something that is, it's not earned. It's just given. So how is this different from meditation and all these other uh, New Age spiritual practices? Well, meditation in the Catholic tradition means to ponder. So mm -hmm. instead of it being some kind of a technique where you're trying to really focus your mind, mm -hmm. what you do in meditation is you take something, some aspect of the faith, and in particular, uh, the scriptures, the gospels would be ideal. You read slowly and prayerfully a passage. You think about it. You ask yourself, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me right now through this passage? Mm -hmm. um, what does he want to teach me maybe about the character of God or how I need to be more fully converted? Or maybe it's uh, in a particular case, it would be a word of encouragement or something like that. So you let this pondering on the scriptures then be kind of the springboard for you to enter into a heartfelt conversation with God. So St. Teresa of Avila said that mental prayer, and she meant in particular meditation, in my view, she said, is nothing more than a close sharing between friends, being alone with the God whom we know loves us. And that's meditation, when we can... Uh, we, we share from the heart based on what we have pondered about the faith. Mm -hmm. It's prayer in a very human, very active mode. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of, especially at the beginning when you first start to practice meditation, there's a lot of thinking. There's a lot of maybe analyzing the text and, you know, uh, it might be a little bit awkward at first. I kind of look at meditation, um, especially when you're just starting it, we can think of it as kind of like being on your first date with God. Mm. And you know how on a first date you see a person face to face and it's the conversation doesn't flow quite, but you try to figure out, okay, what do I have in common with this person? What is this person like? Um, can I make myself vulnerable to this person and open up? Is there any future for our relationship? And you try to talk to them. But as your uh, relationship deepens with that person, you get to a point where 
you don't have to talk so much. Where just being in each other's company is enough. Mm. And this is like the prayer of contemplation. So in contemplation, um, you might sit down and start with scriptures, but you just feel like the Holy Spirit is calling you into silence. And you might sit silently and just do something very simple to keep your mind from wandering all over the place. Like, you know, saying a short prayer um, or very slowly, St. Therese used to very slowly recite the Our Father sometimes. Mm. Um, sometimes you might think of an image mentally, like um, one that works really well is like the, the Eucharist in the monstrance or the cross or the crucifix. Just every once in a while, think of that to keep your mind on Christ. Mm. And then just silently, um, God works in your heart. Um, and you might not, especially when you are first experiencing contemplation, you might not be able to, um, sense that God is really doing anything, Mm -hmm. but as your contemplation deepens, um, it starts to become, uh, a very delightful prayer and one that will overflow into your whole life. So you mentioned that we have to prepare before we can start with this whole exercise. Yes. Um, how or how is it that we can prepare? I mean, I, I, I can't even wrap my mind around the fact that we have to sit and wait for God to, you know, pour out his, his, his presence into this time. Because as far as I know, a lot of people do contemplative prayer for an hour, maybe more. So uh, how is it that we can prepare? And, and be ready for this, this exchange, this experience. Preparation is really the only part that we can do. So a lot of times when people say that they are practicing mm-hmm. um, contemplation, they might have in mind a more simplified kind of meditation where they are still actively thinking about God, but they're just doing so um, maybe in... Um, in a mode that's not quite so analytical, like you go before the Blessed Sacrament and you don't, you know, when you're in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament, a lot of times you just are moved to silence there. Before mm-hmm. But that is still a kind, usually it's still a kind of meditation, mm-hmm. technically speaking, because you're starting with thinking about God is present here. Mm-hmm. So it's your heart being moved by what your senses see and by what your mind confirms. So in contemplation, um, so I just want to clarify a little bit that it's not as though you go to prayer and you just sit there and wait. Usually, in most cases, until you get very advanced, you want to go to prayer and you do want to start with some kind of meditative prayer And if God takes over and leads you into silence, that's great. And if he doesn't on a particular day, you just do your meditation. Mm -hmm. Now, um, as far as preparing for it, practicing your meditative prayer daily, faithfully, Mm -hmm. um, ideally at the same time and place every day, um, 
and also doing your best throughout the day to follow God's will 100%. So when you first start in your spiritual life, you're going to be working on um, overcoming temptations to mortal sin. But we don't want to stop there. When we've conquered that, then we have to start working on the temptations that we have toward venial sin. Mm -hmm. And God is going to wait. I think sometimes we expect to jump right into kind of a supernatural mode of things. Like, you know, uh, it's kind of like in, I have a headache. Instead of uh, taking an aspirin, I'll pray and expect a miracle for the headache to go away. Um, God wants us to do the natural thing, and he might work through that. And after we've exhausted the natural, then we um, let God work in a supernatural way, if he will. So um, that applies here in contemplation, too. The timing of when you receive this gift is completely up to God. When he sees that you are ready, when he sees, okay, you've exhausted all the treasures of meditation. And usually, I have to tell your listeners, you know, and not to get anybody um, frustrated or anything like that, or, um, but usually somebody has been practicing meditative prayer daily for several years. In my experience, I would say at least five years, often 10 years, 15 years before they receive the gift of contemplation. And that the reason for that is that usually it takes us a long, long time to surrender completely to God. Mm -hmm. And since contemplation really is a deeper union with God, a deeper communion that he initiates himself, we have to give literally everything that we know that we are doing that is against God's will, we've got to give that up. And when we're giving 100%, then God will come in and say, okay, you are ready to take a step further. And that's when contemplation occurs. So work on that, you know, being faithful to prayer and doing what you know is God's will in the moment. So in a way, you're also saying that um, sin is an obstacle to this grace, right? It's an obstacle to um, receiving this gift. Yes, and, you know, specifically habitual sin or um, deliberate sin. So even saints that are very advanced will sometimes, um, in the heat of passion, they will um, say something that later they're like, oops, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. um, or there could be something that you don't realize is sinful until after you've done the act. Mm -hmm. But somebody who is ready to receive this gift of contemplation will most of the time when they are given, when they have time to make a choice between, you know, vice or virtue, between giving into temptation or resisting temptation, as a matter of habit, they will resist. Mm, okay. Okay. So, what is the what are the fruits of of um, contemplative prayer, especially if it's going to take fifteen years? Um, why would anybody uh, do this, and how does this actually help our personal and spiritual life? 
That's a, that's an excellent question. Well, um, contemplation is really, it's actually the reason that we were made. So um, God made us for union with himself. And we will have the fullness of this union in heaven when we see him face to face. Contemplation at its very deepest is just one step away from heaven. Um, some of the saints talk about it, I think Teresa of Avila, as experiencing heaven on earth. So it is, contemplation is what makes people saints. Contemplation is uh, an increasing union with God, intimacy with God in Jesus. So if you love God, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you have two people who are in love and they know that they don't have enough money to get married. And so um, they're both going to have to work and they're going to have to put off marriage for a long, long time. Well, you could say, well, why would anybody keep working for that goal? Well, obviously, if you're in love, it, the, you know, it's just like kind of like the story of um, Jacob and Rachel in the Old Testament, right? He worked for her for 14 years because he was in love. And it, 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 the scripture says that the time went by very quickly because he was doing it so that he could um, be united with the woman that he loved. So same thing with contemplation. Um, it's a matter of love and someone who loves wants to be united with their beloved. Um, as far as some other um, effects of contemplation contemplation um, in contemplation we really see what our souls are really like so there's a great increase in self-knowledge so that we learn what we have still to work on that we haven't fully given to god um, there is an increase in understanding about who god is um, and an experiential knowledge of god so we do feel like We've been spending time in close intimacy with him, and it affects our lives. Um, you will see yourself being more humble, being more charitable, loving your neighbor, overcoming temptation much, much easier than you ever could in the past. And in fact, um, you will see that you don't even have to necessarily think about a, a particular sin in, or, over, in order to overcome it, but you'll find yourself um, growing in all of the virtues um, the more time you spend in contemplative prayer. Mm -hmm. And now since you've been doing this for a while, you know, any advice that you have for people? Ah, obviously, there are a lot of people who are going to be just starting along this, um, but what is your own personal advice that you would give um, to anyone from your own life? Yeah, the first thing is to persevere and to never give up no matter what. Okay. So um, second thing I think is that um, we tend to get hung up on little things like the distractions that we have in prayer. I mean, we've got to give our best effort, but you know, we're also fallen human beings. So um, I think it's important not to let our human weaknesses um, get us down. For me personally, 
one of the things that helped me to grow in prayer the most was really learning to trust God, um, especially uh, the teaching of St. Therese of Lisieux about, um, you know, having confidence in God and realizing that no matter how weak I am, God's got me covered. <laughs> so he can take care of it. He can, um, and he will be faithful to his promise to draw us into closer union with himself, provided that we remain faithful. And that's hard, isn't it? I mean, um, is there a solution or is there an easy fix for those moments where you cannot trust, especially if you're going through a very stormy um, weather? I mean, is there any way that you can just completely surrender and, 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 and be at peace? Uh, you can, but it takes practice. I know for me, um, this was actually my first book I wrote on this subject, Trusting God with St. Therese, because it was a pivotal point in my life. And, um, and I had to really study and uh, reflect on my life and look at all the different areas where I didn't trust God. But I used to do things like just practicing saying, Jesus, I trust in you. Everything, every time something would happen during the day that uh, was against my will, that would threaten to uh, take away my peace. And just, you know, that's a prayer. And also um, my hearing myself say it out loud, just you know, reinforces, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to trust God. And it will come over time. Um, trust is an ongoing thing that, you know, there's always something new, some new challenge in our life. So you're never like, done learning to trust. <laughs> but um, definitely, uh, you can grow in it. Uh, I've seen, you know, Lots and lots of growth in that area in my own life. Um, I'm in a completely different place as far as trusting God than I was six or seven years ago. And you grow on this journey, don't you? I mean, off late, I, I can't even say I trust in you. I mean, the only thing I can say during some really hard moments the last few days is just the name of Jesus. I can't even say I trust you because I am struggling with that. Yeah. Well, you know, my mom used to do that. Um, my sister died in a car accident when she was 10 years old. And my mom got through the suffering by just doing that, saying the name of Jesus, you know, because the, the name of Jesus is very powerful. Sometimes for me, what also works is just imagining myself embracing the cross. It's become kind of like my security blanket, you know, and so maybe that's all I can do, maybe can't say anything, but it's just like, okay, I'm just going to grab onto this. And this very cross is the thing that is bringing me close to Jesus. So tell us about your books, because you've, you've done a lot of work, and I think uh, on contemplative prayer, on homeschooling, um, and it is Catholic homeschooling, I believe. So Tell people where they can find your books and if there are any other books on contemplative prayer that they can read. Yeah, um, you could go to my website, contemplativehomeschool.com. There's a tab on there, uh, Connie's Books, and that lists, you know, all the places where you can buy my various books. Otherwise, um, you can just, you know, enter my name, Connie Rossini, on Amazon. 
that all my books are out there. The most recent book that I wrote uh, just came out in July, which I think would be very helpful for people who are just beginning, is called The Q&A Guide to Mental Prayer. And it answers all these questions that you've asked me today. What is meditation? What's contemplation? How do we prepare for it? Um, how do we deal with distractions, etc.? Other people whose writing I really would um, encourage you to read would be Father Jacques Philippe has a couple of books on prayer. One is Time for God. The other one is Thirsting for Prayer. Dan Burke uh, has a book called um, Into the Deep, which is all about learning how to practice uh, meditative prayer. Those are very good. And then a lot of the resources, I have to say, are more advanced, very heavy tomes on prayer. So I'm trying to, Dan Burke and I both are trying to kind of fill that gap of talking to people about contemplation without giving them a 500-page book to read about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard enough that people can have, uh, don't have the time to read their Bibles, let alone another, another book on, on prayer. Yes. So um, you mentioned also um, the saints. I think these are both uh, Carmelite patrons, um, St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila. Do you think reading about them would help people with this? Yes, but their their, uh, works are hard. So I wouldn't suggest when you are first starting out learning about prayer. I mean, I read Teresa of Avila's Interior Castle, and the first time I read it, I, I totally misunderstood it. Because the terms were foreign to me. She's writing for cloistered nuns in the 16th century in Spain. So, you know, and I just didn't have the background to understand what she was saying. So I really do suggest that you start with some kind of a commentary on St. Teresa or some kind of a more basic book on prayer um, so that you can understand the definitions she's using and that kind of thing. And then John of the Cross. Um, is even more difficult <laughs> than Teresa of Avila because he talks about, you know, the dark night of the soul, which is a concept that almost everybody misunderstands. And actually, Dan Burke and I are working on a book on that subject currently. So, Okay, great. So if anybody has questions, where can people find you? Uh, you mentioned your Facebook group. Uh, where can people write to you and um, where can they talk to you about this? Yeah, um, Facebook is is the best place to get a hold of me, but also through my a blog. Again, it's contemplativehomeschool.com. Um, you can send me an email from there or use the contact form. Um, send me a message on Facebook. I'm on there every day. So thank you so much for uh, being with us and sharing all about contemplative prayer. This was a very, I know, a very sudden end of summer uh, request and, and you just jump right on it. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful. Thank you so much, Connie. Well, thank you. God bless. Mm-hmm.